0: Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. Hi, hi. How are you, Merlin man?
1: How are you? You sound like a lot going on.
0: <clears throat> oh, you know, I'm so busy. Yeah, you're a busy person. I'm so busy. Mm, I hate busy. when people say that. Busy, 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 busy. You know, life is like a big life's like a big closet. You know, you're always gonna you're gonna fill up every one of them, no matter what.
1: Absolutely true. You know, people say they're busy because um, I think it's indisputable that most other people in the world are not doing anything. <laughs> they're not busy at all. And the, so those few people who are busy who say, I'm really busy right now, they're the they're the getter dunners. Mm-hmm. They're the actual busy people, and we should support them with all of our efforts.
0: <sighs> I got mixed feelings because when I say I'm busy, it, it usually means... One of a couple things, and mm-hmm. they're both my fault. Mm-hmm. I, I'm never, if I, I mean, I'm just because of the nature of what I quote unquote do, it's there's never a time that I should be too busy unless I have chosen to be too busy. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, and really, it's kind of true of everybody, whether they like to admit it or not. But yeah. I, uh, with me, it means I've overcommitted or yeah. I plan poorly. Yeah. Or, or in the midst of all of that, I'm just not being very good. Or effective, if you like.
1: Yeah. I, I. Whenever I say I'm busy, I could just replace that with I'm behind the eight ball. <laughs> I'm behind the eight ball. That's what I mean. I'm screwed. I'm, I'm sitting in a room right now <clears throat> that is basically just boxes and bags of things that I haven't attended to. Ugh. And the boxes and bags are stacked on other boxes and bags until <clears throat> I'm like a. I'm like a hoarder person where you can only get to my computer desk through a corridor through a corridor through st- like stacked old cat food cans mm. used newspapers tied with um,
0: tied with ramen noodles <laughs> and a uh, little taste of the Orient in your home organization.
1: Yeah. And I'm just I'm behind the eight ball just even walking in here. I'm like oh, behind the eight ball.
0: Well, I, I hate to admit that I that I know this, but uh, there are stages to hoarding, and Uh-oh. there are like there's like in the same way you look at a DSM, you know, there's all the are are you a person who has you know depression? Is DSM
1: ha- some kind of some kind of sex thing?
0: Yeah, it's a role playing thing. It's hmm. a DSM guide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, 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 the diagnostic stimulation modulator. Yeah, yeah four. They call it a Sibian. <laughs> Sibilance. Is that, uh, is, uh, 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 that uh, well, gosh, where do I begin? First of all, it's, it's, it's all I can do not to turn this into, you know, one of those other shows where I talk yeah, about st- how I'm bad at stuff.
1: St- st- stages of hoarding. Stages, stages of,
0: hoarding. of hoarding. And, you know, it's, uh, I, had, I had a reason at one point in my life to learn about these things because yeah. of a family you've member.
1: You've been to my house. Do you feel like I am on the hoarding continuum?
0: John, we're all on the hoarding continuum. That's, That's what makes true. it a continuum. You're right. You're right. Everybody's a little special. Am I am I somewhere out along the hoarding continuum? Well, as you know, John, I'm not a hoarding clinician. (laughs) Right, but uh, yeah, there's. uh, I forget how many phases there are, but um, there's once you're. It's you know, it's again once you once you become aware of something, it's hard to stop seeing it everywhere. Mm. And I have to tell you that I'm pretty sure one of the middle phases is paths. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> when you well, blaze, we like... have to blaze trails <laughs> through stuff. I think yeah. you're. I think you're on the exceedingly slightly more special part yeah. of the continuum.
1: That's like when you when you buy a, a Volkswagen Bug, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you see Volkswagen Bugs everywhere. I, that you, you didn't notice. I think before.
0: this. I think this is a, a version of an availability heuristic that you oh. you make mm-hmm. decisions about what's going on in the world based on the information that's available to you and your own experience. Right. Right. Like,
1: for instance, I never used to see PT cruisers at all. Thank God. You were lucky. I know. I had a PT cruiser screen on my consciousness, like a filter that came down.
0: Like a little, like a little protective visor.
1: It was a protective visor, a mental visor, that screened out PT cruisers. But then one time, Kathleen Edwards came here to visit me, and she rented a PT cruiser. <laughs> That's so cute. And we're driving around town in this PT cruiser, and all of a sudden, I'm a member of the PT cruiser fraternity... And people are like beep beep hi! and there are PT cruisers everywhere, and I and I have to see them. I'm in one, and uh, it it changed me forever, and not in a good way.
0: No, no, I I feel the same way. Uh, ever since I was a little kid, I, this is probably a phenomenon with a name. But you you feel like you have there's a word that you haven't heard your whole life, and then mm. one day you hear it, and then that same day you hear it again. Hmm. And so either you heard that word before and you didn't remember it. Or mm-hmm. there's there's some uh, you know you know dark matter going well, and on.
1: And when when you say it's probably the name, you mean your name Merlin Man?
0: Never heard it. Got a visor, protective visor. <laughs> boy, you know what I hate is a. Is so, a
1: so so w- the first time somebody yeah. said abracadabra to you, you were like, well, abracadabra. Oh boy,
0: <laughs> Candyman. <laughs> but you know you gotta you gotta hate an unintentional left-handed compliment uh at at a job uh my wife had a few years ago her boss they're just talking about you know whatever like you do in an office because you know you don't really work in an office and uh and she said madeline have you ever seen those pt cruisers and she's like yeah sure she goes that seems like the kind of car you would drive Oh, and you know, I think that's oh! a way. I think that's a way of saying to somebody that you really know mostly through work. It's a way of saying you're a fun, like kicky individualist.
1: Oh, interesting. It's a kicky. It's a. It's a quirky car. It's like a yeah, Pontiac Aztec.
0: This is from a. La- this is from a lady who's reached that kind of menopausal age where you start wearing a lot of chunky jewelry and saying what's on your mind. <laughs> you
1: mm-hmm. know, but she
0: wasn't saying it in an unkind way. No, no, no. She meant that Madeline was, uh, was like a funky gal. It, totally. And it's, you know, gotcha. the things that we buy for other people as presents, as an example, as another example, usually say much more about us than it does about the other person. Often it shows that we have bad judgment and no taste.
1: Well, I hope that Madeline enjoys the, the uh, pearl-handled Derringers
0: I bought her for Christmas. She treasures them. <laughs> She that's won't let good. me give her anything with Pearl on it. That's good. It's, uh, But, you know, that's that seemed like a sweet thing to say. But, you know, oh, gosh, where do I even begin here? I want to get back to the hoarding. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like when you're a little kid and, and uh, you know, you know exactly the kind of G.I. Joe that you want. Like a very right. specific, or in my case, I was into Big Jim for a while. Big Jim? Yeah, which is kind of like a bi-curious G.I. Joe who likes to go to the beach.
1: How about Stretch Armstrong? Did you have a Stretch Armstrong? Test marketed it for Kenner. What? How were you the kid that got to test market Stretch Armstrong?
0: John Roddick, did you ever have a really cool little car called an SST where you pull out the T-strip and it flies across the floor? Test marketed. I, the, I, the wizard, I, I saw them. The, I never had one myself. No, they're broken by your mother. <laughs> <laughs> the Wizard, the Wizard top, those tops that you go across the floor Yeah to yeah. them yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a test marketer for Kenner Toys when I was a child. How did you get this gig? I was bored in class. And uh, I, I think what happened was Kenner, if memory serves, I think Kenner was is based in Cincinnati or at least has a big outpost there. Right. And this is the kind of thing you could do in a public school in the 70s is you would take – I mean, let's be honest. It was the smart kids, the kids that could afford to just miss a whole class to go play with a toy. And boy, right. did that ever make the other kids love us. They, 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 they let you test market toys in school? So me, Jenny Balcom, Billy Schaller, we, they, they take us out. They say, come on, let's go. And, and all the kids who, who's, who are already done with the work, they get to go and play with toys while the other kids start. Oh, I hate you. I hate, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate t- you. me too. Well, that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful, but it's terrible. No, it's you know, awful. I hate me too. I'm like a PT cruiser.
1: Uh, you know what I had to do? I had to pretend I was sick and go to the nurse's office to...
0: Oh, did of- you have a method? Did you That's- put a, Did you put a thermometer under your arm or up against the light or anything like that? Oh no! If I uh, I mean, your mom, your mom would have seen right. You actually would have to get a disease. Clearly, I was sick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was never. You know, it's funny. Uh, uh, we had cats my whole uh, life growing up, mm. and I'm allergic to cats. Mm. So I always Quarters. was
0: a little sick. Oh really? You were like you're like Wolverine. You have to constantly call upon your healing abilities in yeah. order just to stay alive, and that causes baseline pain to you all the time.
1: Exactly. There's there are so many ways in which I'm like Wolverine, mm-hmm. but that is one of the ways.
0: Canadians fucked you up with all that metal.
1: <sighs> Let's not go into Let's it. Let's not go into it. Marble. But so so nobody ever thought maybe this kid is allergic to cats. <laughs> so I had a constant scratchy cough and runny nose for I'm I'm serious now fourteen years. Did your
0: eyes? Did you get the eyes?
1: Itchy eyes. And so I would sit in class, and if I wanted to, if class was boring and I wanted to get out, I would just be like, I'm really thick right now. And they'd send me to the nurse's office, and I'd, I'd lay, on the, lay on the cot in the nurse's office and count the dots in the ceiling tile.
0: <laughs> you, could, you could call upon your, your, your Conquest space fantasies from really any room where you could be supine
1: yeah i just wanted i just wanted to go somewhere lay down have them turn the lights down a little bit and then leave me the leave me alone and you know and they thought i was sleeping but i was just
0: you know what you needed you needed fake chronic migraines
1: Oh, interesting. Because I think uh, people
0: are very, think about it. It's one of those things where the etiology is really tough. You can't look at somebody and tell whether they do or don't have a migraine unless they're really good at looking like they have a migraine.
1: Well, or chronic fatigue syndrome. Now, I don't want to get into chronic fatigue syndrome because I believe it's a real thing and there are people who... Is it? Well, the people who suffer from it are very, very serious about it being a real thing. And, And they have impressed upon me that if it is a real thing and no one believes you... That is, got to be a terrible, terrible fate, right? To be like completely sick and exhausted. You're essentially
0: t- telling somebody that they're uh, either insane, a liar, or both.
1: Yeah, right. These people go to the doctor and they're like, "I feel like I can barely function," and the doctor's like, "You're imagining it."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and for years this goes on. So I, I i won't make I won't make jokes about chronic fatigue syndrome, ex- except except that. It does sound like they're faking
0: it. It does sound like it. But, you know, there's there's a funny thing in medicine, as you know, I'm not a physician, but there are a range of things where they know that there's a condition that exists, but there's no etiology for it, and there's no tests for proving that it exists. Right. And having one of those things sucks. Sucks. It sucks. And uh, chronic fatigue syndrome is one. You know one. I got to tell you, up until, and you're going to get email about this, but up until the last few years... I was pretty sure that kids with food allergies was mostly a fake thing. Mm, mm-hmm. I thought it was maybe a doting mother or something, yeah. you know? Uh, but, it, like, why did, Why is it suddenly everybody has food allergies and it didn't used to be? Well, yeah. to tell you the truth, I, I don't know why that is, and I kind of don't care. Because now I do – I have a, I have a friend whose kid, uh, t- just in brief, when they, they knew that, like, one time he, like, touched a piece of cheese and it left, like, a tattoo on his arm. Oh Yeah, just from, like, a little piece. So they took him in to get tested. Yeah, And uh, they started with, I think, an eighth of a teaspoon of milk. And I think uh, it's such a horrible story. He said, Mom, I feel crazy or I feel weird or something. And his eyes rolled back in his head. He went into anaphylactic shock and they had to give him like two or three EpiPen shots and take him to the emergency room. He almost died at the hospital.
1: Holy cats.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like he's – so when you hear stuff, when I first heard like – So well, he's I, a little lactose intolerant is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. He's a little lactose intolerant. <laughs> But here's the thing. Now, imagine now now the, this this wonderful the the parents he has are good friends of mine, and she's she's a pistol to begin with, and she's uh, a pistol. She's here, oh she's, she's a pistol. You're sounding more and more
1: like my. I dad, think you exactly. follow her
0: on Twitter. She's very. <laughs> this is a, this is a known public story. Amy Jane Gruber, uh, hmm. their their kid oh, yeah. has an extreme um, allergy, and she carries epipens everywhere, and she's she's ready. But you know the thing is, I have to say, like a few years ago, like I, when I was a kid, I remember. Julie Schlesinger didn't like oranges, so she had to wait in line for a banana. Oh, and she would cry. Now, now, now—that might have been a food allergy. But no kid I knew had stuff that they just couldn't eat because they would get sick. That I knew of. Yeah, yeah. But I am a hundred percent positive that it is real now.
1: Well, uh, but this is the problem with our with being from our generation and before.
0: Mm, this is which wonderful. is that
1: this is one of those. I remember the first time I heard the first. Well, and the first time I heard. ADD, I was in a psychologist's office, a psychiatrist's office, actually. And he said, I want you to sit in front of this computer and and play this game. And I sat in front of a computer and I played this game where things flashed at me and I was supposed to choose this thing or that thing. And then something shot across the screen and I was supposed to choose between two options. And I get to the end of this not very fun game. And he goes, <clears throat> "Well, here's the problem. You have attention deficit disorder mm-hmm. and I said, "What's that?" And he said, "Oh it's this new diagnosis where people who are people who are struggling to integrate themselves into the world, uh, it turns out that you are not lazy or dumb. it's just that you can't stay focused on." Uh, things, and there's a medicine for that. And I said, I was old enough at this point, uh, like 17, that I was, and I had been going to psychologists for a long time, that I was suspicious of them, and I was suspicious of this diagnosis, as I think a lot of people were at first. ADD, what the hell is that? Attention Deficit Disorder? What is that? Mm -hmm. And then Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And these, these were things... When we were in, uh, when we were kids, if you had that, what they did is took you out of class and let you uh, test market some toys
0: mm. in your hmm. stupid school.
1: You know what I mean? Like that was that was. You know,
0: that was the, here's your prescription. Go play with Stretch Armstrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, or like he's a spirited little kid, or whatever it was. You know. But all of a sudden, the, the, it, it had become a pathology, and now, of course, we live in a world where, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time in grade schools yet, but I <laughs> imagine when you're in grade schools now. The number of kids that have attention deficit hyperactivity disorders or something on that spectrum, it's probably 40% of the kids in the school. And when you combine food allergies, Asperger's, uh, all the other ways in which we're now...
0: Um, you get dyslexia. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, have, dyslexia I mean, dyslexia so, is a... Is that, like, that's a known thing. It's a long-time thing, and it's like, yeah, yeah. right, here the kid writes his letters backwards. but But there are a lot of parents that are self-diagnosing their kids as Aspergian. And a lot of parents that are still like in denial about it, but their next-door neighbors are diagnosing their kids as Aspergian.
0: That's the um, irony. I mean, I, I've got a couple kids in my life with, uh, with legitimate, like you can tell, plus the doctor right. said, Asperger's. And everybody but their parents uh, was ready to cop to that.
1: Uh-huh. And the parents
0: were the last. The, well, the yeah. Latest, I mean, uh, if you, your kid's got a thing, you don't, you don't want them to be labeled you know what i mean well
1: right except that except that i mean in park slope right now if your kid doesn't have a thing
0: Mm. you're they gotta go to a special special school
1: he's the he's the outlier and i mean you remember uh, when we were and and this is true all the way through high school for us there were kids that were separated out and put in special classes but (laughs) there was one special class (laughs) there was one special class and everybody you know everybody Went there, including probably now that I think about it, kids who were mentally functioning at a high level, but they just had a palsy or something.
0: Oh, it was it was ridiculous, and the same thing happened with my dad with dyslexia and and, and poor vision, and uh, it's what well, it happens with a lot of people. And you get this one place that basically becomes like a what a pedagogical holding cell. And so so people with profound personality problems, legitimate depression, serious health problems, or maybe they just read too fast. Yeah, right. <laughs> Read too fast. Right.
1: Well, but but uh, but I guess the getting getting back to your point uh, which is that it's very like we were raised certainly I was raised in an in an environment where my my initial response to this like proliferation of uh human problems was suspicion that that people were making up these diagnoses that that uh that chronic fatigue syndrome and Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder were on the same spectrum, which was the spectrum of people making shit up about themselves to excuse their shoddy performance. And as, you know, as time goes on, you accept, you accept that these things are real. You think back to our childhood when none of these things existed and everybody had to just cope. If, the, if these problems existed 40 years ago, your, your solution was cope or go to the special class where you have to wear a helmet
0: absolutely, and I mean, in terms of like today, th- so many kids go to private school, i mean and again you can't re- you can't compare there's so many different uh variables that have changed in the last forty years, but you know the only kids I knew who went to private school went to private school because it was a Catholic school, and just oh, right. they went that was i didn't I don't know anybody who went to the like the Huntington Academy or something like that, yeah they went to private didn't school exist. and got, got finger in the pooper mm hmm yeah. Sure. And the free, free bread. <laughs> and, um, but, uh, but you know, so, so you, yeah, so I, I've become more sensitive, but you know what, Here, gosh, there's a million threads here. It's supposed, it's supposed to, again, we're, we've made it through the age of reason. You know, we don't believe that there's a, you know, a troll in your head, tiny troll causing your headache and stuff like that. And so when actually, we come up, John, are you to, an animist? <laughs> I used to
1: say to my dad, he would say stuff, you know, he'd be like, Oh, it's great that you're a musician. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's your genes. Your genes are responsible for you being a good musician. <laughs> and I would say, screw off! That's that Welsh troll in your head. There's a Welsh troll that lives in your brain. Oh, that, that troll up- is
0: so fucking Welsh, it's not even funny. He comes
1: up with shitty things to say. He's drinking the rubbing t-
0: alcohol in your, takes in your the brain's fun away from bathroom. Me.
1: Takes the credit away from me, that Welsh troll in your brain. And he was like, oh, I don't have a Welsh troll. And we would yeah we would argue about the Welsh troll that lived inside us.
0: You know exactly who would say there's no Welsh troll is a guy who, who has a Welsh troll. Yeah yeah. His Welsh troll is what's saying there's no Welsh troll. I'm not in denial. I'm not a Welsh troll. Uh, You're a Welsh troll. I, I'm sensitive. That, well, I got a couple things here. Well, what was the other? Oh oh yeah. Irritable bowel syndrome. That's another thing. You know oh, I've yeah. got I've got the uh, I've got intestinal issues, but I do not have IBS. And okay. in some ways I'm grateful because I don't have I,
1: Crohn's disease.
0: I got the other one. Oh right, yeah. But it, I, we can talk about that if you want. But but IBS is bad do news. I? <laughs> do I? <laughs> you, you stayed there when I'm having a tough time. Yeah, I know. Do
1: you? But you, but unlike a lot of people, you don't yeah. keep uh, chopsticks on the back of the toilet to go through your. Uh, your oh,
0: your you BFs. mean in terms of uh, just kind of sifting through, doing a little bit of uh, panning? Yeah, a little panning, a little mm-hmm. panning for corn. I keep uh, I keep some um, some poultry shears uh. and a, a very fine mesh, <laughs> and of course some index cards. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah i've got an old toilet um uh yeah so anyway (laughs) ibs is a bummer because you get this weird it isn't like you you know ibs you get sometimes you get diarrhea and sometimes but a lot of the times you're constipated but mostly Mm. you're kind of in pain like beth orton that singer that beth orton lady had it and it really screwed her up that's one of those though where you go in like with a migraine i don't think unless you do one of those made-up phony baloney fmri kind of things i don't think you can go in and say oh yeah you have migraines i think it's all based on symptoms there aren't that yeah. many... You know, they got signs and symptoms. Symptoms yeah. are what your you friend tell the doctor. Gets these. He's got them bad. And mm-hmm. I think he's good and, like, drugged up on stuff that he doesn't like taking to keep them even manageable. And even then, they're not super manageable.
1: My mom gets them. How but... often? How often? <clears throat> well, that's the thing.
0: She I've, I've, has... had like, I've had, like, four ever, but they were crippling.
1: She has that pain threshold thing.
0: Oh, your mom and the pain.
1: Where when when she says, like, there's a headache coming... And I need to close the blinds and go upstairs. Move move over, Gibson. It's so so disconcerting Mm -hmm. because she is so unaffected by pain in most situations that it's like, oh, oh, no, what is this madness?
0: I I was wondering about that when you said that she got them because you know how you said how God gives you the beard that you deserve? I, I wonder, you know, the pain is one of those things that's so hard to quantify because it is... You know, you're the only one who's feeling the pain, and certainly, based on history, they can say that if you've got a, a gunshot wound um, to the abdomen, there's a pretty good chance you're going to call that a seven, eight, nine, or maybe ten.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's one of the that's traditionally one of the pain. Centers. That's one of the pain
0: ones. That's yeah. the pancreatic cancer of gunshot gun, wounds. Gun
1: to the gunshot to the to the belly.
0: Yeah, right. That's pretty bad news. That's but bad. Um, with your mom, see, that's the thing. When you say that God gives people then the beard that they deserve, I wonder if like you get the migraine. That, I mean, I, I bet you a migraine sucks for everybody. I bet there's not that many people that get a migraine that just go, I, I can just deal with this. Yeah, you, know you know don't I mean? brush it off. Yeah. Yeah. And yet it doesn't. She, she sees
1: the, she starts seeing the halos of light and yep, the flashing. That's the classic. Light,
0: yeah. And she's like, I'm out of
1: here. And it's, you know, it doesn't even hurt yet.
0: She's just like. I get I- delirious and I throw up and I want to die.
1: I have never had a migraine.
0: Um, I've, I'm pretty fortunate. And, you know, for a lot of people, there's the triggers, right? You could have like, you know, like red wine or chocolate or there's, I guess, all kinds of things. And if you're very sensitive, don't listen to this because even listening to this could probably give you a migraine. But all those things, they also, because you feel like you're monkey balls, right? Like all of a sudden you got this thing nobody can see. But you know, let me say one more thing about the ADD because, you know, like if you got two little kids, let's say you're having a play date, another kid comes over and you know the classic. You must have faced this in your own home. Actually, I'd love to hear how your mom handled this. There's one large piece of cake left, and there's two kids. And so what do you do?
1: My mom throws the cake in the yard.
0: <laughs> That's my cake. That's not your cake. My mom says, no cake for anybody, she just She keeps it on the counter in some Tupperware, and it's just there. And then finally you ask, out the window. Yeah. My, yeah. Uh,
1: uh, the, my, my mom used to buy grape juice for my sister. It was a special treat. That she would give my sister a glass of grape juice. Because Susan was expensive. She was insane about grape juice. And it was very expensive in the 70s, you know, when we were our weekly food budget was like. Of of
0: the juices, they were it was one of the more costly.
1: Yeah, and we had like four dollars and thirty-five cents to feed the three of us for a week. She would buy grape juice and she would apportion it out in glasses to Susan. I didn't really care about grape juice. But this grape juice was for Susan, and she gave it to Susan so sparingly. That the, that the bottle of grape juice like routinely turned to wine. (laughs) It turned turned to (laughs) cooking vinegar in the fridge before Susan was able to have
0: it. Oh, that's miserable. I
1: know. Yeah. And then it sat in there every time you open the fridge, like there's the grape juice. But,
0: but in more conventional homes, when you, when you have a a large (laughs) slice of cake and two kids, the classic way to do this prisoner's dilemma kind of thing, right? Or I, I don't know, game theory, I guess. One of you, one of you cuts. And the other chooses. And the other chooses. And that ensures that one person is going to make the most even cut possible. Right. And, uh, I think that that is an interesting principle in, in many things. The place that, another example, a place that I used to work, we had, uh, we did environmental consulting. But one thing that gave us credibility was that we did environmental assessment, but not environmental remediation. Cause we're like, why would you go out and hire the same person to tell you what your problem is and then how much it would cost for them to fix it?
1: Oh you just described the entire Chinese economy.
0: <laughs> and your father and the mechanic. <laughs> well yeah and I mean and that's that's half a, certain of elegance, the, a certain elegance. A certain elegance to it. Half of the graft in America. But this is again this is a problem with the public schools now and I've had several uh, a handful of friends with kids in schools and it's it's just very in a class with 50 kids where your kid cannot take up more than 2% of the time. Is that what that mm-hmm. would be? Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you're, if you've are if you got a kid who, for whatever reason, takes up 4% or 8% of the time, you pull them aside, you bring the parent in, and you say, this is your problem. This is not our problem. Our problem is we have no money and a class full of 50 kids. Right. So you need to figure out how this kid goes back to 2% or less.
1: Oh, I wish they had used that metric when I was a kid because I wanted to be taking up 0% of the teacher's time just being left alone to sit at my desk and draw army men
0: mm-hmm. or look at look at a, look at an encyclopedia
1: look at the encyclopedia or stare at a spot on the wall I, and I would they i trying so, to
0: engage me I, oh, you keep calling Bastards. on me I if Stop I could just it. be if I could just go to that shelf with the uh, with the world books and just sit there I would have done yeah. that all day long Yeah
1: I will listen I'll listen in on your class on your silly ass class mm-hmm. And I'll be over here with these books. And if, I, if, there's a, if, there, if you are addressing something I don't already know, I'll look it up in these books. How's that sound?
0: And here's <laughs> the thing. If for, if, for example, I can't find H through I because someone has not put it back in the proper place, I will raise my hand and ask where the location of H through I is. And apart from that, we don't really need to talk here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, 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 you know, this has become a cliche, but I think it's true. Uh, at least in one instance I know of, it's very true, where they said, look, to get your kid back to the nth percent, that he or she needs to be, you need to take care of this. So essentially they're saying, Oh, so
1: that's why they're doping kids at home.
0: Well, I mean, I think that you, let's look at it this way. A lot of, a lot of households, if you've got two parents in the household, which is increasingly not so common, you know, like everybody's working, everybody's busy, everybody, there's not that much you can, there's not that flexibility, much flexibility for anybody. And right. so, I mean, I think that the response that I, I, cannot prove this yet. Cause luckily our kids not in a public school yet, but you know, That apparently happens when you, especially when you get to fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, they're going to say, "Look, here's your options: Focalin or Adderall." Are there any questions?
1: Well, you know, and that's why we need to we need to institute that third option, which is building trail. Mm -hmm. Like you give you give your kids some of this uh, this like personality dulling medication, or get them out in the bright sunshine, fresh air, wear them out
0: i see it it every day i see it every day with our kid that that uh, the wearing out is good yeah Uh, yeah. i mean the the, the thing the ultimate
1: thing about this undiagnosable unseeable malady Mm -hmm. epidemic that's happening i think in america like for me it comes home to roost because i suffer from depression Mm i'm i'm outing myself if it wasn't already abundantly clear and uh it is very hard for me to accept that uh, for myself, like it is very hard for me to acknowledge it as not being a personality flaw, you know and like a, so like a, a weakness. yeah, so I look at you know I look at the course of, of a typical day or I look at the arc of nine months of my life, and I go, "hmm, the only thing that can account for uh the way the, for the choices I've been making is that I'm suffering from depression. I'm clearly suffering. And everywhere I go, every time I talk to a doctor and I say, here are my problems, doctor. And I run down my problems. They're like, well, you have severe depression. And I go, yeah, yeah, I know. But come on, help me out here uh, with something. Yeah, you gotta, gotta is, there something
0: better... is there something physically difficult that I can do or yeah. something that I could resist doing for a few months that might improve this? <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm pretty good at that. diagnosis than that. I mean, anybody could tell that. Give me something to work with here. And, you know, and I and I, I was like, for a while there, I was thinking, listen, I'm a drug addict, but, uh, but I mean, Adderall's not a drug. It's a, it's like an attention focuser. And people were writing me, I said this on the internet a couple of times, people were writing me like, Adderall is a
0: drug. It's totally a drug. <laughs> don't kid yourself. I, I miss like, it. Okay, I miss yeah, it yeah, if okay. I don't take it. Yeah. But I do feel different. How long have you been, address- uh, how long have you been, um, I don't know like okay what, talking depressed? about that how long have you been okay talking about that about being depressed yeah i mean you mentioned it on uh, on twitter like last year well
1: the thing about depression is that i think when i was a kid uh when i was a what like early teens being diagnosed with depression i didn't feel like it had any stigma at all i felt like there it was it was a fairly glamorous uh diagnosis because depression was a it seemed exotic it seemed like a german disease <laughs> it seemed like something that if you had depression you would ultimately you would ultimately be wearing a black suit lounging on a chaise and someone would be painting you in oils <laughs> it's certainly an interesting thing to have you know like and and particularly as a 10 year old to be to to have somebody say like well it seems like you have depression i was like that's a very adult sounding thing to have and it feels very like it feels uh it feels very continental (laughs) and i'll i'll accept that so i never felt that depression was a um was a thing it was only later when people started coming coming out as depressed and being uh and and talking about the stigma that they felt it was only later that, I, that it even occurred to me that there was stigma around it because depression hmm. seemed, I guess to me, like the only reasonable response to <laughs> an insane world. Why would you feel a stigma? <laughs> right. But, but um, and so, so my, whatever reticence I had to talk about it was uh, entirely a reticence based on, I, did, I just don't like to reveal things about myself to strangers. Right. You know, like I, I, have, like I, I don't mention my daughter's name or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, same thing. Like I don't talk about my problems because because ultimately, if you say something on the internet, you get a bunch of concerned, uh, 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 like DMs from your friends going, "Is everything okay? Are you okay?" And it's like, yeah, I mentioned depre- I mentioned the depression that I have that I have had for seventeen years. It's not like a. It's not like I'm peaking. I'm not standing on a bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but. As time goes on, I guess I guess why I'm talking about it more is that I, can't, I I always thought as you got older that that depression was a thing that you had when you were in your teens or early 20s and when you were very when it, your peak dramatic years when you're feeling very dramatic and it continued into my 30s because every aspect of my youth continued into my 30s. I was I was still a teenager at 37 years old. But now that I'm in my 40s and it is not Waning. If anything, it is waxing. It started to be a thing. Like, okay, you know what? I'm going to just start talking about this more because, um, because it's ac- it's actually a feature on my landscape. It's a thing that I every morning I wake up and and uh, even if there are no owls in my room, there is always this, like, this bugbear, and I go, uh, you again." <laughs> And you know a lot of the stuff that you and I talk about orbits around this this issue that you know that, that feeling of dissatisfaction. I mean, the feeling of everything that you've accomplished adds up to bupkis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know that, that there's no there's no uh, reasonable way I could think that, and that's what that that's because depression is unreasonable.
0: It's completely unreasonable, and, and the thing that has caused me to misunderstand it and, and really really eat the booger on how I dealt with somebody important in my life who had depression <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. was that I was of the, okay, that's long enough. It's time to buck up school. And, and, you know, uh, I think you tell me if this is uh, incorrect in your experience, but my understanding is that the the most insidious thing about depression is not that you're a little sad. It's not that you're really, really sad. It's not even that you sometimes think about harming yourself. Like that's actually stuff that a lot of people feel like a fair amount of the time. It's just that no, no matter what day it is, it it feels completely impossible to imagine a world where it could be better. For yeah, a lot it, of for a lot of people, the the worst part of it, and, and the part that I think this sounds like that's I'm already saying that, but I think that doesn't really sink in for people who don't have depression is that it is fairly constant. It does sometimes get a lot worse, and the last thing in the world that you could ever imagine is having it get better.
1: It yeah, it doesn't abate, but it also attaches itself to your normal sense of reason.
0: Right, it, it it doesn't it doesn't like fly. How, how and you say, see and decide?
1: Yeah, it's not it's not like it, it's not like uh, some kind of crazy uh, like Republicanism where all of a sudden you think the president is a Muslim and uh, you know it's not like a, it's not like madness. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> I heard he uh, it, went to college at a Burger King. <laughs> it is a thing. It is a thing where you look at it. You you make normal assessments. In in a way that seems absolutely rational, but your conclusion is that you really fucked it up. You really, you are, you are, you are a real turd in this situation. You know, and I, and I, I'll, I'll start making a pot of macaroni and cheese. And there'll be three or four opportunities in the course of waiting for the water to boil and adding the powdered cheese packet and eating the macaroni and cheese where I feel like this macaroni and cheese is a, uh, is a metaphor for how I am not thriving, and so the macaroni and cheese tastes like uh, it, it, it turns to ashes. You know, mm. like it, it it robs you of the, the the potential to enjoy even the simple things because you are finding you're finding like all the all the evidence you need in the simple things that you do for why you are. A flop. You
0: know? So, so things around you that that on, on, on an intellectual level you may not think have anything to do with it start to become emblematic of like what bad personness or failure or everything becomes evidence. Evidence. Right. Evidence. Of, is, that, is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, and you're and you're a, you're a, you're using your 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 capacity to you know that it is a capacity that I prize in myself to look at the evidence to walk out the door and look at the evidence mm-hmm. and and make decisions, you know, like based on what I see and what I know, you know. And that's that is this prized faculty that I use everywhere I go like, aha, I see how this is going to go. This guy over here is about to throw his milkshake and ha, he did. I saw it. But you but when you turn that faculty on yourself and all the evidence points to that you are um, a drag that 's when you know that 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 faculty is is normally the thing I lean on, so when it returns this evidence to me that i am you know that 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 everything i 've ever made uh, belongs on the dustbin it 's very hard for me to go, well, in that instance your uh, th- in that instance your 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 faculty for seeing is is flawed or broken because i use it all the time i trust my faculty for seeing
0: so that's, and, and that is so super complicated because <clears throat> i'm just i'm processing what you're saying yeah here but it's um i mean you you're a very uh rational guy in a lot of ways you're certainly monkey balls in in many ways but no you're a guy who really <laughs> thrives on saying no like what is the thing that's really here what is yeah. the essential nature of this conversation that we're having. What is the essential nature of this deal that you're trying to offer me and keep changing the topic about? It seems to me that like you have the scars to show for being somebody who was surrounded by things that dulled the influence of the outside world to where you now seriously seem to really thrive on having a more direct experience of what the fuck is really happening. Mm. And that you, if there's anything you trust about yourself, it is your ability to know that you're always being as honest as a human can be about what the fuck's really happening here. Yeah. And and when you turn but, that in the on past, yourself. In the past, that's become yeah. something, and you certainly have every reason to be proud of that, because you went through a lot of shit to get to where that's your M.O. And is that but, close?
1: Well, uh, and, the, and, the pro- and so the problem is that when somebody says to me, if you take this, if you take this... uh Uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitor Mm -hmm. it's going to make you uh, not feel that way anymore Um, I go uh, I am suspicious because it doesn't feel the depression doesn't feel alien that is the that Mm. is what is insidious about it it does not feel it certainly feels um, like a handicap but it doesn't feel like a stranger
0: it doesn't feel external
1: No, not at all. You sit in, you know, because what happens is I look around the room and I go, well, come on. I mean, look at that. Look at that. uh, Look at that poster on the wall that commemorates uh, that great show that you played. Like, that should be a source of, like, uncomplicated pleasure for you. You You have a beautiful poster that commemorates this wonderful show that you remember fondly how can you find a downside to that and then the 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 voice doesn't even need prompting you know it says well you know only only someone with a low self esteem would need a poster to remind him that he was that he had good things in his life
0: how did you get and how did you get this
1: number (laughs) oh yeah only a person (laughs) you know and, and then look around the room like oh everything in this room is just some kind of sham uh reflective surface broadcasting your own life back to you in these discrete chunks to try and make yourself feel better about what a shit job you've done and you know there's nothing there is no small thing that cannot be robbed of all its joy by this friend who sits next to me in the cockpit and whispers in my ear and says oh yeah no i mean everything everything that you love is a thing that you love because you are a sham, and you just you know and and talking about it to people it it you know i remember the 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 friend that you referenced earlier you know uh this person that was lovely and you loved and she struggled in the same way and you know i have seen that happen with people who struggled with depressions more severe than mine who are no longer on this earth mm-hmm. and you know i feel lucky that my that i never <clears throat> the idea of harming myself has never occurred to me because i feel like when it's time for me to go i'm going to take as many motherfuckers out with me as i possibly can there's going to be i mean if there isn't a mushroom cloud at least to mark my passage from this world i really will have failed but but at the same time like this living in a kind of low level gray is just no way to be it's just no way to be and Unfortunately, I can't get over the hump of thinking that a serotonin reuptake inhibitor or crosstops or exercise or more blowjobs or whatever it is that, that, that I get prescribed by people. And I know talking about this, I'm going to get a thousand tweets from people who are like, all you need to do is blah, 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 blah. And let me just, I hate to break the fourth wall, but please don't send me your cures, thoughtful people, for the love of Christ. Uh, but you know, I mean, as soon as you start talking about it, there are people that want to help, help cure you. And that is the problem. The, the very principle of, of, of trying to seek a cure is, um, like I have a million reasons why. That, why well, well, That isn't going to work.
0: And the truth is, it's very rarely as simple as bada 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 is what somebody reports because that eventually worked. Yeah. Right. And, and, and thank God and God bless them. But I, I a lot of my friends who've gotten treatment for depression, it was a pretty fucking rough go. And yes. sometimes it got worse. And yeah. then sometimes they couldn't get a boner, and and sometimes it took two years. I'm not trying to say don't look for help, but I'm also saying don't you're pretend saying, that it's as simple as drink some green tea and walk in the woods.
1: You're saying that I'm looking into a into a no boner future.
0: I think saying. remember the when the boner will stare back at you from oh, the God. boner abyss. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I, was, I mean, I'm not, I, you know, I, 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 I don't have anything like depression, as far as I know. Um, If I have anything, it's more...
1: Poop problems. I'd be even more depressed.
0: Well, you know, you, you uh, gotta just be careful about the onions. And I know how hard that would be for you. So I think, really, we have <laughs> our our Henry, an onion. We have an Henry situation here. <laughs> 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 you can have my onions. I'll take your uh, <laughs> my hair comb. I'll take your lack of occasional lack of mania. Uh, <laughs> but you know, but but I don't know. There's just something that when I learned that, that really resonated with me because I really got it. I got it that that's the capital D part of depression is that it doesn't feel like it's a veil that can be lifted and as you say it isn't a matter of flicking this bugbear off your shoulder or saying satan i rebuke thee it's <laughs> it's a good deal more complicated um it's you do know, you renounce satan <laughs> <laughs> michael ritzy um the uh but you know this another way to put this and i'm not as you know i'm not a, a depression uh, psychiatrist but right. but uh you know, if you saw somebody uh, walking around with bronchitis, you wouldn't just tell them to buck up. You would have to understand that to get rid of that bronchitis, there's certain things to really get rid of bronchitis. you've got to take some antibiotics and stuff well for sure that, for that matter, if you saw somebody who was like missing a hand and you said, "Well, just try harder to to get handy but
1: here's but here's the trick is that you have you have mania. I have depression. I
0: have a little mania. I don't have a <laughs> lot
1: of mania. I got, other, I got other problems, but I don't have that much. Mm. Uh, but these things are also talents. Yep. Like, Kierkegaard had mania and depression, and his name rings out. You know, for, for 50,000 years of human history, mania and depression were things that were that were useful talents right. you know that made that made um people become monks or philosophers or uh or scientists or or conquerors you know these are these are not just handicaps they are a, they are a very complex uh sort of um rainbow of qualities and <clears throat> our fixation now and and you know and part of the part of why my depression is is uh, uh is so hobbling is that i live in a world where i have the resources and i have the inclination to further isolate myself from people and to live in an ivory tower and at any time Prior in human history, unless I was a very, very rich person, I wouldn't have been able to do that. And so I would have been Mm -hmm. out in the streets, and my depression would have been mitigated somewhat by just having to go down to the cart, to the onion cart, and buy an onion every day if I wanted an onion. And your mania would be, uh, likewise, more assimilated into the culture. And particularly, given that the life expectancy of people was 37 years, by this point, we would already be dead And uh, and our problems would, you know, would be uh, whatever whatever our personality was. They would just remember us in our village, and they'd be like, "Yeah, he was amazing." You see that church spire? He once climbed climbed up it and ranted about
0: uh, real real talkative guy. (laughs) Ranted about
1: how the president was a Muslim for a couple of days before uh, before he got tired and fell into the onion cart. So so that's the that's the flip side is is that it is in this family of modern diagnoses of mental pathology, some of which I mean I don't see what the upside to chronic fatigue syndrome is, except that except that it used to be called uh what plurzy or I mean it it was a oh right it was a thing that. That very aristocratic women fell victim to where uh, where they had to lay on a on a soft on their fainting on their
0: fainting couch on their
1: fainting couch with their with their uh, you know their ether soaked opera, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs>
0: <ether-soaked> opera glasses yeah their ether
1: soaked opera glasses <laughs> exactly and finally so, I can see clearly <laughs> so looking back through history like all of these if these modern diagnoses have analogs in the past a lot of them were either considered talents including bordering on like mystical talents or they were you know they were integrated into our culture as a like oh she is she's too delicate for she's too delicate for modern life and we need to bring her like lukewarm tea <laughs> and now we are you know we're shooting her shooting this same person full of uh hormones or, or i don't know or uh and most of the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so I'm, you know, I it all falls into this family of um, psychopharmacology that that very much like the internet, I feel like still is in the bicycle engine stage <laughs> of uh, of aviation, where the wings are made of of uh, tissue paper. And somebody has a one and a half horsepower single <laughs> single piston engine, and they're
0: flying. we can fly right you' gonna affect the brain now let's do it's all it's all still like it's amazing how much stuff in in um medicine in general and in psychopharmacology in particular is is still uh just just a little bit northeast of medieval mm-hmm. um i mean. <laughs> how in some ways like pain medicine is so simple the way that pain medicine works is 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 just ridiculously simple it's not doing something super sophisticated it's blocking the yep. receptors
1: right it doesn't go to the to the broken hand it goes to the brain
0: right and like when my when my shrink you know and who i always i hate to misquote because he's a very exacting man but he can sit there and show me like oh these two hands represent the the two sides of this you know and these drugs work together and does this and that and it's all completely cogent but what the part that i really understand is that if my brain does not make enough of this juice that lets me be happy in life i get distracted right but some people get get too much of that juice Yeah. yeah
1: too much juice yeah, I, I just described everybody I went to high school with. Too much juice. Too much of the one kind of ju- juice, not enough of the other kind of juice. Um, well, and 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 it all presupposes that there is a that there is a correct degree of humanness. You know that there is a that there is an ideal amount, an ideal balance to to any mind that translates across all minds. So, what we're seeking is this this balance, this broken, this this healing of brokenness. Where I mean, I honestly cannot, in some ways, separate my depression from my personality. Mm -hmm. And to and this is the this is the problem with schizophrenics who who take medicine and they're like, but I don't feel fun anymore. (laughs) I mean, admittedly, I was living under the Embarcadero, but. (laughs) god i was seeing some colors right and i don't want to take this medicine because it makes me feel dull and you know and they they give up their job and apartment and wife and they go back to living under the bridge because because they're they feel like their like their mind isn't theirs and uh and for me like i i'm not sure what amount of healing i'm seeking
0: uh, and because what- i mean you know have you ever wanted to be quote unquote normal in the first place uh no, well i mean in, I, that, in the regard i, I never of feeling, assumed it was an option right I, I and this is one of the many articles i didn't finish reading this week was about um um the diagnosis of autism in different societies and how it's it's such a tricky thing because there are, are and again i haven't finished this article yet but but it, it grabbed me because part of the notion is that it, you know a lot of what we consider autism today um you know there are these tests like do you make eye contact with people can you follow this conversation and you know there are a lot of cultures where it would be very disrespectful for somebody for like a kid to, to look an elder in the eye while they're talking to them you might look at their face but you wouldn't look them in the eye Interesting. there's you know i mean this again you could do that in any variety of decades it, this is that's probably this is a long walk off a short pier but you know it's i mean i think the the thing that's i hope this doesn't sound too homespun but i, I think it's just natural to want to not feel like you're on the edge you know, it's, it its isn't, isn't even to say that you know, anybody necessarily craves like, oh, I want to be like other people or I want to... You just want to not feel like fucked up. It's just not fun to wake up every day and feel off balance before you even get out of bed. It's really depressing.
1: Yeah, it is depressing. Although that was exactly the feeling I sought from the ages of 16 to 30. Like I wanted to feel on the edge all the time. That was how life felt meaningful and real to me
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and i look at other i look at young people who are who are engaging life in a very different way than i did what you know when i was that age i uh, i did this video shoot down in um in la a month or two or two ago and one of the camera operators on the shoot was like 21 and very competent camera operator. And I got chatting with him and said, you know, how did you get here? And he's like, well, you know, when I graduated from high school, I really wanted to um, make movies. So uh, they were filming an episode of Portlandia in my town. I was 16 and I just went over and hung around until they gave me a job to do running to get coffee and then pretty soon I was assisting the camera person, and then I was then I was running one of the cameras. And you know now I live in Hollywood, and I'm 21, and I have
0: a. That's unbelievable. <clears throat> it, I hate that person.
1: It's unbelievable, but of course there are so many examples of people that at 16, 17 years old, they're like, I want to be a rock star, or I want to be a, in Hollywood, or I want to be a writer, or I wanna I want to be in politics, or or whatever, and they had no doubt about that choice they just went and did it and and then at a, at a young age they're very accomplished and they're on a path mm-hmm. and they don't seem and they don't they're not sitting there saying but what if i should have been what if i should have gone to medical school what if i should have been an astronaut you know they're like i'm doing what i love to do and this is what i wanted to do and here i go off i go at, at And I I can't help but contrast myself against them when I was that age, 21 years old. I was, you know, sitting somewhere on a bar stool, imagining that I could and should be doing everything and didn't know where to begin doing everything, wasn't exactly sure like how you got a degree in doing everything. And was, I mean, not just, not just was it inconceivable that I would go down to a film shoot and stand around saying, hey, can I, can I lend a hand until, until somebody was like, yeah, hey, kid, come over here and hold this. You know, not only was it inconceivable that that would happen, but, but uh, to, uh, to my mind at the time, like, what a waste. Yeah, now you're just running coffee for some guy.
0: Well, and like in a, in a half second of, of repose, you might go, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be a senator. I'm, I'm, yeah, not, right. I'm not in the senator line.
1: Right. So those, you know, those people are uh, are certainly a model. But if I compare myself to somebody like that, I cannot, I cannot win. You know, I cannot think like that is normal. And I am, and I need to fix what's broken about me to get closer to that because I'm, because I don't resemble it in the least bit. And I admire those kids. I love to sit and, and talk to them in conversation, but I cannot, I it, but comparing my own attributes to theirs would be like comparing my looks to theirs. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing I can do to be. To be that successful, really, to be that single minded and and to be that sort of uh, on a course and happy with the results and i don 't know i i, I don 't know why I do not know if, if you assume that there is a a bell curve of humanity and we are we are apportioned different traits because there is a clockmaker who has put this universe into motion in order to accomplish some inscrutable goal i cannot imagine why you would load up a human person with my attributes and set them loose on this world i do not know what i am contributing uh or why you would why why you would even put so many sort of self-contradictory qualities in one organism and basically set it loose upon itself. Like, <laughs> here you go, here you go, animal, go get them. <laughs> the animal immediately starts punching itself and saying, "You don't even know how to punch. <laughs> you call that a punch? <laughs> like, why would you do that to a thing? Right. But yeah, there you have it. It's 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 one of the it's one of the things I would point to to say perhaps intelligent design is not actually how... <gasps>
0: Of the universe is working. It's a kind of design, but I mean to have to have that constant, le- even when it's not that dramatic for effect. The the, uh, the constant leveling of that message in your head can't help but become a, a distraction from taking a step in any direction. You must yeah. self doubt well, must must uh, you know uh, uh, of or, some or, and, kind must always be looming.
1: And it raises the question: Take a step in any direction for why?
0: Yeah, you know, and that's the that's the
1: that's that's the insidious part. Um. I admire people who build houses f- uh, for uh poor people, you know, like Habitat for Humanity. I I admire doctors without borders. But I do not feel the pull to help people in that way. Well,
0: and there's, there's another there's a, I keep thinking about what you're saying like uh with the kid doing that doing that gig and something I mentioned last week um about if you want somebody to do the right thing, rather than trying to tell them to do the right thing or demand, um, it's useful to create the conditions for the right thing happening. Mm-hmm. And, and that is something. If you'd said that to me, or if I had said that to me thirty years ago, I don't think I would have. I would. I would have understood, you know, grammatically, like what it meant, but I wouldn't have really gotten what that meant. Right. And that's the difference between that kid who's now twenty one and doing that for a living versus a, any range of people who are going, how did that guy end up there? Yeah. And and I, I, at the risk of sounding really subtle, I think this is actually super-duper important because, I mean, we all know, and this, this does shade into some stuff I've said in the past about acting like you're an artist and buying a beret and, you know, doing all of the affectations that you've seen other people do to essentially trace the shadows of someone else and imagine that that's even close to that what that human being is who they are but that's what, that's what now that I'm at the age that I am and know what I know that's what blows me away about that guy is anybody could go hey I want to make I want to have videos be on MTV right back in my day or like I, I have this gut sense that I would be a, a great prog rock drummer and uh-huh. on the most fundamental level, you go, well, you ever played drums? And you're like, no, no, no. But I know I'd be really good at it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, the first test would be to go out and see whether you like playing drums. Do you mm-hmm. have access to drums? Is that what you would want to do? And you certainly can see where I'm going with this, but it's yeah, worth yeah. going a little bit. Okay, well, what if actually uh, you don't really like playing drums? Uh, what if you try playing drums for a while and you realize you don't like being in a band? What if you don't like being around people in the music industry? Th- these are all the kinds of things that will never occur to you if you don't try to play drums. Yeah. And get it. But there's another kind of the if there's anything that I in my in my head I wish I could change about myself from the past that it's all I don't want to say it's too late now because it is still useful to me is that idea of like Um, Rather than trying to see a result of something and emulate that, I really admire the people who instantly understand a process over the product. Mm -hmm. And in the case of that guy, there's something about – in that case, maybe he just got lucky. But he understood there was a big difference between arguing with his friends at Starbucks about who would be a better director versus just showing up. Yeah, and starting to do something now maybe he got lucky maybe there's some other things he tried and it didn't work out but that's that's like another that's like being able to fly as far as i'm concerned to be 21 years old or even in that case 19 years old and show up somewhere and not seem like a total dingus yeah. and be able to figure out what this job needs what well, these people and that, and want and can i adapt myself of, to
1: it a big part of it is he was able to show up at that at that video shoot at age 16 or 17 and not seem like a total dingus. Mm-hmm. And that is a thing. Perhaps that is a talent. Perhaps I lacked.
0: Whereas I would go in wearing joppers, carrying a folding chair with <laughs> yeah. a riding crop, maybe yeah. shave my head folding and have a monocle on the back. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Director. Where do I set this chair up? <laughs> Cause I, I got to tell you all along the way, not to change the topic, but like all along the way at the things I've tried to nominally succeed at that I didn't even fucking understand, yeah. you know, to begin with, um, I've always been put off by how this wasn't how I thought it was going to be. So uh, yeah, and a lot of times, honestly, it was organized music things because I was never a good team player. It helps to be a good team player before you do anything on a team, or it helps to be open to the fact that you'll have to be part of that team. For example, so you know, I I, excited to be on the team. Yeah, yeah, and excited to set aside whatever your notion of how this should go is—that you're not constantly raising your hand and saying, "Shouldn't we be saying Roger Wilcone now?" You know, well, I, or whatever I, I, your idea is from things you've seen in movies and played over in your head again and again. When I look at the the kids that I started out with,
1: uh, in high school and college, the vast majority of them knew what they wanted to to. I think we would have said knew what they wanted to be rather than knew what they wanted to do. You know, they knew what they wanted to be. At 15 years old, a whole big group of my friends in high school decided they were going to medical school. And I think it's largely because there was one good biology teacher at East High School in Anchorage that I did not have. I did (laughs) not take his class. But he was an inspiring teacher such that uh, freshman year in high school, I'm sure there were a couple of these people who were like, I think I want to be a doctor, but by junior year, a whole lot of kids had decided to go to medical school. And when I think about those kids now, they are my age, you know, uh, a lot of them now 45 years old and they are doctors Mm -hmm. and have been doctors for basically since they were 15 years old. You know, they've been on that path. Um, I remember I was living in a fraternity house at Cornell for a summer and one of the guys who was living in the fraternity with me over the summer was uh, he was going to join the Navy to be a fighter pilot. And at the time, I guess I was 20, 21, something like that. He was that age and he was graduating that summer from Cornell and on his way to flight training school. Uh, for the Navy. He He had enlisted in the Navy already. Well, when I think about that guy, which I do periodically, if he succeeded in getting his wings, he was a fighter pilot in the Navy for 20... He's now entering his 23rd year as a Navy pilot. And he he knew to make that decision or he made that decision and stuck with it i'm you know i, I extrapolate but i assume that this guy mm-hmm. is now a full captain in the navy and retired from flying jets and either retired from the navy or is like running a battle group somewhere and i contrast those <laughs> life choices those life arcs against my own which has mostly consisted of filling up paper bags with stuff from thrift stores, and then arranging it. You in make piles. it sound
0: so unglamorous.
1: <laughs> arranging it in piles, sometimes period- <laughs> periodically, you know, losing the thread of what which pile of which pile of hats <laughs> belongs in what bag, and then it's twenty five years later. And uh, you know, where's and my gold I- watch? And I'm thinking, where's my gold watch? And I go, I do have an awful lot of cool hats. Uh, you know, that is something nobody can take away from me.
0: But I'm not even going to try to buck you up because I know there's no point to it. But so many people would love to be you. Isn't that sad?
1: Oh, well, they have no idea how fat I am.
0: Yeah, really. When I yeah, when I take off all the all the
1: corsets. <laughs> <laughs> it just uh, I I just look like Baruca salt
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want my own but now oh my god oh oh yeah I I uh, I I do not like comparing myself to other people it's terrible it's terrible and I, I just I don't find it useful I mean I, I guess I still kind of do it maybe I'm just scared to do it but it's just so. Um, it feels so unproductive to me and it does, it doesn't, it's not even that it makes me feel bad or good. It just, you know, it just, uh, it's just, it's, I just don't know. I, I don't know what I would do based on that particular, like identifying the delta between these two things will help me do what better or do what differently. Now I know where we have slightly different minds about these things probably, but like for me, I just, I when, I, when I, I, all I know, let me put it this way, when I watch other people doing that, like all the time. I just, it just makes me like almost seethe. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, tell me how this turns out great. How about you spend less time comparing yourself to other people and like more time just doing a thing?
1: Yeah, it's very unattractive. There's nothing about it. I don't see you
0: do, I don't don't feel like you really do that. Do you really do
1: that? I don't, I don't. It it, it isn't, it it, it is more, it is more an uh, an emblem of the darkness that settles on me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when I first read the book, No Country for Old Men, I was in some ways furious because I have been daydreaming about stumbling on a drug deal gone wrong (laughs) and, and sifting, you know, like walking through what has clearly been a, a a showdown shootout and finding like a truck full of drugs and money that was at the center of this, uh, pitched battle. And then like, (laughs) <laughs> P- pushing the body that is in the driver's seat off into the dirt.
0: In your and in your mind, you've already
1: done this a hundred times. I had I had I had done it a hundred times before <laughs> I read this book and was like,
0: someone stole my plot. But <laughs> but I your plot <laughs> your plot for easy money falling into your someone lap was stolen. stole
1: My easy money plot. Like I, I'm not I'm not a guy that's going to do direct marketing. <laughs> But I am definitely a guy that if he sees brake lights up a up a dark road uh-huh. and hears gunshots, he is headed that way. I am headed that way through the woods, not not away, because this is a scenario that has uh, that has always struck me. You know, me as you know how it
0: starts. You know, you yeah. know the the signal that something just went down.
1: Yeah, somebody tried to somebody tried to like sneak around the back and and get the drop on them, but they actually had the money there. It was like a they had the money. It wasn't going to be a rip off, mm-hmm. but then. A, a, a overzealous you know young lieutenant decided he was going to circle around behind and then somebody you know shoots him and then he shoots back and then all everybody shoots everybody and then everybody's dead and here's the and the cars are all still idling is it is it probably in a gym bag the money full of money and drugs well mm. you know depending on how wh- how far i want to go with this fantasy mm-hmm. it's a suburban full of gym bags full of money cuz they're buying they're buying uh, like a metric ton of squeak Oh, and uh, yeah, the street yeah, value yeah. of squeak is like it's like minting Krugerrands, hmm. but anyway, it it caused me after No Country for Old Men came out, it caused me to turn that light back on myself and reflect on why I have spent so many hours of my life playing out this scenario and what that what that easy money. I mean, I think everybody. Maybe not everybody, but I think carrying around an easy money fantasy is is a big part of of being a human being or being an American.
0: The having it happen or being finally able to do a specific thing. Well, that 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 like I can that, finally buy a carousel.
1: Yeah, I can find uh, like I'm going to be relieved of all of my money tension, and happiness will will uh, alight on my shoulder like a bluebird of happiness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and as i as i've played out this the scenario like okay now you've got now you have this this uh, untraceable duffel bag full of um, full of pesos <laughs> pure opportunity <laughs> and what are you going to do and the reality is everything that i would choose to do in that moment that would be that i have that, that having run the scenario would be something i would actually choose to do is something i could just choose to do right now <sighs> You know, if I had if I had $10 million, what would I do? I'd move to New York. Well, just go move to New York if you want to do that. Uh-huh. Well, I'd move to New York and I'd live in a really nice apartment. Well, go move to New York and within a year or two, you'll probably have a pretty nice apartment because that's how it goes. Like, the the idea that there are still things in my life I'm waiting to pull the trigger on and the only reason I can't do it is that I have not found a duffel bag of of drug money at a crime scene. Is this, like... It's, it's an, an incredible three-way mirror on myself because all the other things that I, you know, all the more elaborate choices I would make, like, I'll move to England and live in a castle. Well, you would be lonely and cold if you did that because right. you don't have any, you know, like you're, the friends that I have in England would come visit my castle a couple of times. You know, that I, I'm not going to move to some little village. Yeah, but like
0: if a friend of yours found a bunch of money and moved into a castle, wouldn't you be like, ah, what an asshole? Yeah, I would be. He's say. a castle asshole. <laughs> Fucking, that's, your, that's what you did? You moved into a castle? That's not going to last. But it's not like you'd run out and go, oh my gosh, let me go celebrate his good fortune in his new castle in which he lives alone.
1: Right. And nor would I move to Florida or Southern good.
0: California. Good.
1: Because I have been many times to Florida and Southern California, and I don't even want to be there that long. Uh, Just passing through. Let alone, this
0: is that quotidian, like middle class bullshit dream of like retirement. It doesn't have to be. You know, if you if you mind your whole life and and you can barely breathe, well, God, I hope you get to retire soon. But it's just this whole idea of this the the big the big journey being to get to this place where you don't have to do anything. Yeah, that's so depressing to me. And
1: what I really want to do in life is write a book. I want to have an article that I write be in the New Yorker. I want to be... Consulted for your expertise as a, as a retired... Uh, <laughs> that's right. I want to be on the board of directors of several uh, Fortune 500 companies. I think where that's so much more... That
0: is so much more in your grasp than you realize.
1: When everyone else on the board quivers in terror as soon <laughs> as I clear my throat and sit forward in my chair. Like, all these other guys are like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Don't let it be me this time. Don't let it be me. Like, I want these things. And these are not things that that any pile of bags of money are gonna are gonna get for me. And if I had if I found all this drug money I I I would still be dissatisfied. I would still want to write a book. I would still want to be published in The New Yorker. And so and yet this fantasy is is still a great comfort to me. You know, mm-hmm. when I'm sitting staring at a spot on the wall, I no longer am commanding a space battle group like I did for so many years in my childhood, because I've, I've decided that that is an unrealistic goal
0: hmm.
1: to be, to be a uh, admiral. Even of
0: with a, the the pace of technology, I guess now increasingly the lack of pace of lack of technology. Yeah. We're not, right. we're not where I, we should be. We're not where we should be in that stuff. Let's be honest.
1: If right now I was watching sea beams glitter off the shoulder of Orion mm-hmm. and, uh, was, uh, saw Space battleships on fire outside the Tannhauser gate. I,
0: he dies right after he says that. I would
1: I would have a little bit more hope for that possibility, but what it seems like right now is that if I really pursued that, I would just be one of those kids playing playing uh, multiplayer video games on the <laughs> internet and convincing myself that I was a space. I like it better that man. you're
0: operating at a higher level.
1: <laughs> so but, but now, you know, when I'm, when I'm laying in repose and staring at a spot on the wall, I, I, I confess, more often than not, I'm playing out some scenario where a truck full of money goes off a cliff, and I'm the only one to see it happen. And that is embarrassing, uh, even personally embarrassing, not even, I mean, I never admitted it to anybody until now, but it, I was already embarrassed by it. I was pre embarrassed just because the one <laughs> me that looks at the other
0: me it's is pretty, like. It's a pretty, seriously? It's pretty mundane. It's like having your ultimate sexual fantasy be to kiss boobs. Yeah, it is exactly that. Like No, no. Um, um, I want to know, like, what is the most outlandish thing you've ever. I'd really like to kiss a boob. Kiss just, just boobs. Because I think about is, it like, a lot. A million dollars in a bag. <laughs>
1: Is oh, actually, a million—that's
0: small potatoes. You got to think bigger than that. It's not outside my grasp, right? No. A
1: million dollars in a bag. If I was like, if I if I said on the podcast today, you know what? I want a million dollars in a bag. Yeah. How long do you think it would take me to get a million dollars in a bag? Like if you tried, or if people yeah. just—if I a really tried—if I was like single-mindedly, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Eighteen months. Eighteen months. That's mm-hmm. right. That's about what I think.
0: And if you don't think that's true, you haven't really thought it out. A lot of you—it's yeah. money. Money is. It's not that it's easy to get money. It's just that very few of us are prepared for what else comes along with getting money and what you give up to get money, which sounds really cliche because you don't have the money. But once you get the money, you realize that it's not simply just a rich person problem. It's that there are, there are, like, everything is fucking complicated. It's just what what are you going to give up to do it? And I'm I'm not even, I'm not even doing a Kobayashi Maru here. I'm Mm. not even saying that you've got to go, like, cheat to do it. I'm not even saying you've got to go cause the truck to fall off. I think
1: ultimately I would probably have, I would actually. Pull a Kaiser Sose. That's would, how I would get. You know, I haven't seen the
0: end. Don't tell me how it ends. Um, <laughs> I uh, this is one of the many, many reasons that I find uh, I really, really. I'm trying to use this word less because it's not a good word. I hate. Lotteries. I hate lottery tickets. I hate scratch-off tickets. I certainly hate the lines that Wait, they the create. Word, the
1: word that you don't want to use is hate.
0: I try not to use the word hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. That's a and strong word. Despise is a cop out that I use a lot, but I'm trying to avoid saying that for everything because I, I don't. I don't hate it. I you right. know. You poop on it. I poop, you poop on. It. on it. I, you know, I poop on lottery tickets be- yeah. because for the for the obvious reasons that any any liberal would have is that it's whatever sure, it's a tax, a tax on, on poor the poor. people. Blah, blah, blah. And, but it's also it's it, it makes it hard for me uh, to get my tequila and my daughter's milk. And right. we both need those, right? Do you, wait, do you get your tequila and your daughter's milk at the same place? It's not a great tequila, tickets? and it's not super fresh milk. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. But this concept that if you if you want it, yeah. Well, let, me th- let me finish the one thought. Let me finish the one. The only one thought. The only one thought th- to finish here, and this is the problem with the lottery: is in some way the same problem with the John, the John uh, truck full of drug money fantasy, yeah. which is that I think those people who go in there, and I watched, I waited in line behind a guy the other day um, who paid for his lottery tickets with a hundred dollar bill. He bought and he got like a dollar. He bought a hundred dollars worth of lottery tickets. The guy in front of me, and I don't know enough about the lottery system to know whether that's a great bet or not, but. I don't think you need to win a lot to keep doing the lottery. I think you, like any gambling, you need to just win just enough to show that the system's not totally rigged and to get that little, you know, dopamine burst. But it's it, the, the lottery at the most basic level. This is a very subtle Oscar Wilde, soul of man under socialism kind of point, probably, but it's the ensmallening of the human soul that the lottery causes because you're getting into such a stupid habit. That every time you do it, you make that habit stronger. You go and you do it over and over. And have you done the fucking most basic modicum of research to find out whether people who win the lottery are happy? Right. Because well, people who win the lottery, people who win, no, no, I don't mean like you. Oh, you get a free scratcher. You, yeah. you get the. You win three hundred million dollars. You win three hundred million dollars. Go out and find out whether those people are happy. Because you know what, they're not fucking James Bond. They're not Tony Stark. Right. They're people who now have new problems. Yeah, and they are new problems they never knew existed yeah. because they, they don't their... have <laughs> the training to have three hundred million dollars.
1: They take their country kitchen aesthetic. And they Everything's applied,
0: a duck in a basket now.
1: They to a forty thousand square foot home, and there are and, and ducks mean, in baskets everywhere. They get a they get a forty two foot duck in the a largest, foot largest.
0: And here's the thing: they buy the world's largest <laughs> duck, and it makes them. You know, you know what? Now I need the world's largest basket. The fucking basket was supposed to be here by ten thirty. It's well, not this here. Is,
1: this is the thing that you can and 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 I've run this. On my, I've run this. Uh, you run this scenario. I've run this scenario. I've run this. You know this uh, admin on my own mind, which is, let's say yeah. you won three hundred million dollars. Yeah. Now what would you do? And the reality is, if you don't immediately, I mean, first of all, you give half away to taxes. Mm-hmm. If you don't immediately give another half, the, the the next half away, just like the first thing you do. you're 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 on the road to madness like 150 million dollars if you have that you start from zero i mean i i have i have you're just going to be eating larger amounts of the same
0: shitty takeout food you're going to be tipping more for the same fucking pole dancer nothing is going to change
1: yeah i have an incredibly active imagination and i cannot think of what
0: i would spend that money on and, and you don't have the training. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like you don't just show up on day one. It's like those people who are like, oh, you know, I've never been in a fight, but I'm pretty sure I'd be good as a fighter. Yeah. Like, I've never, I've never run more than half a block to catch a bus without feeling like I'm having a heart attack, but I'm pretty sure I could run a marathon. You're yeah. doing the existential, your whole life is completely, I'm not trying to say don't make money, but I am saying that like, just imagining like you give away so much in your life by fantasizing about something that would actually not be that great for you. It's if not I, so different from saying, I wish I had all the weed in the world. If I, well, if well, I had all the weed in the I'd world, I'd be so fucking baked all the <laughs> well, time. No, dude.
1: Well, what, I, what I would do is I would Lord it over all the fucking stoners.
0: I, Hi, would, stoners. Make, I would make them do fancy dances. Hey, what's it. up
1: stoners? Want some weed? Hmm.
0: Where are you going to get it? I'll require a fancy dance for that.
1: <laughs> you get it from me. And you know what? I don't want to give you any weed today. <laughs> Come back tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I'll, you just I'll have give some them, weed. It's
0: like with your sister. You just give <laughs> them one. You give them a lid. You just give them one tiny little bit.
1: Yeah, this is the thing about weed. Like you know, be, they become obsessed, and you're like, yeah, come back tomorrow. I don't have any weed today, but yeah, it's I'll like it's a,
0: the the one eighth hit shit. Oh yeah. Anyway, so but yeah, the thing I mean, is, the money. first
1: thing I would do if I had 150 million dollars, of course, is buy both of my neighbors' houses and tear them down. But they,
0: and, and, would, you tell them, would, would you tell them first? I would, I'd walk over there and I'd be like.
1: What's the main you, what's difference is price? how
0: much warning – okay, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Think outside the box. What you really want is to not have those houses there and for them to be gone, yeah. right? Yeah. The question is how much warning do you have to give? That's a class how much money you got because if you could literally have it leveled like while you were away, yeah. Yeah, then you just well, pay everybody it's, it's, off. You pay everybody it's, off.
1: It's like that great that great old this, – this may be completely apocryphal, but the great uh, Craigslist gag where a guy – or i guess it was a it was a millionaires club situation where a bunch of laborers are outside of a uh, laborers are outside of a labor hall and guys come up in a truck and say you 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 and you get in the truck and he's he's like you know this guy pulls up in a truck and he picks 15 guys off the street and he says i'm going to pay y'all you, you know 40 bucks an hour to do some demo work for me he drives over and there's a house and he's like, you know, we need to tear this house down. Yes. And these 40 guys all go and they tear the house to the ground. And then the guy never comes back. And it turns out it was his ex wife's house.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably a Snopes, but that, it is a good one. It's a super good
1: one. But, but, but like, no, yeah, but that would be a great feeling to walk up to your next door neighbor, knock on the door, and say, Your house is worth 300 grand. I'm going to throw in an extra 50. If you can be out by this afternoon.
0: Oh, and this, well, it's like what? <laughs> They're like uh, the magic Christian, right? Um, like, what well, can you get people to do for money? But but yeah. here's here's the thing. This is, Kierkegaard addresses, you know, despair, certainly. Right. P- probably better than than just about anybody, I think. We had this discussion. Inside out. Yeah. Wow. I, he's, he knows whereof he speaks. It, you yes. know, it's, it's a great thing for people to read. Um, but I think it's one thing to have freedom, and it's another thing to have impunity. And I think people think small. And they think if I had $150 million, I'd finally be free. I wouldn't have to do these things that other people make me do that are how I am. But impunity would be so fucking awesome. Uh, it would be so nice if you were a truly the kind of damaged person who craves that large amount of money without knowing why, Yeah, you know, like if you were just going to say like, I'm going to build the world's biggest bong, I would say more power to you. Why don't you get us find out exactly what that would cost. And then right. maybe, you know, do a Kickstarter or something. Right. <laughs> but, but if you really did want to become like an evil, super genius, I, 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 that is what I can really admire: is somebody who says, "No, no, I, I, I just, I don't. It's not even that I want these houses gone. I just, I, I want to be able to do that and, and not get in trouble for it."
1: Yeah, I mean, the, as somebody who already feels like he mostly operates uh,
0: without impunity, mm-hmm. with impunity, with impunity. Mm-hmm. You don't need with- a permission. You don't need a permission slip. Without with impunity. Without with him,: <laughs> without but, with, you work with punity. you yeah. You operate That's with right. punity. I do I do have punity. No,
1: for, I, I feel like for the most part, the the real shaping influences on me
0: are, you know, the
1: opinions of my close friends.:
0: I, and, I, would, I would take 50 grand to like you. Exactly.
1: I mean, I could, tear down, every, I could tear
0: down every house in this
1: neighborhood, <laughs> except that, you know, that like some of my friends would be like, mm,
0: that wasn't. Again, now, that, now John's an asshole. Like before, <laughs> he just seemed a little bit like a curiosity, right? Yeah. And you can't buy your friend's love. You can't buy fear. You have to instill fear. There's no scratch off ticket for, for fear.
1: Oh, if I had some, if I had a lot more money, I think I would be able, I would be around, I would be buying some And you know, unlike (laughs) all
0: those other people, the bong builders and the dream makers and the rainbow sniffers, you are literally practicing this in your head every day. You know exactly what you do. You've probably got plans, I don't say, you've probably got plans in tubes right now that you could roll out.
1: Well, my first plan is to build a giant trebuchet (laughs) and then just huck like big sort of 50 gallon cans of Quaker oats. Just huck them. All over the city.
0: Just see what, what to see how far they can go, or well, yeah, it's just a thing nobody's going to expect. Because if you look up in the sky, you look up in the sky and you see that thing of Quaker Oats. There's so many levels. No, no, no. It's not even a thing. All they see is a 55 gallon drum, and they're thinking oil.
1: Well, Uh, but but if it looks like because the Quaker Oats guy, oh, it's a big picture. Would you draw
0: the Quaker on it?
1: Oh, you'd have you 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 would make facsimiles of the Quaker Oats. A oh, uh, 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 little little that uh, changes, canister that changes everything, except out of a fifty-gallon drum. So, so the perspective of that flying through the sky, you would have no sense of how big it was. Dad. You'd be like, "What is that flying Quaker Oats thing?" And then as it got closer, no... it would just keep getting bigger and bigger. Oh my god! And, and your mind would be, your mind would think, "Is this thing fifty stories tall?" <laughs> like you'd have no sense of how big it was until it landed, and and there were oats. Everywhere. A Pringles can. <laughs> A giant. If you were, if you had a trebuchet that was throwing giant Pringles cans, and everybody knows what it looks like,
0: everybody knows how big it is. Yeah, it's got a very familiar form factor.
1: It's flying through the sky, oh and as, as it gets closer, you have no, you have no, you have no idea how what's happening, how big the world. is. So that's is, just
0: that's just warming up. You're just at that point. You've had some trebuchets. Now do you have do you have a sense of you shouldn't I say think I could. I think for I think for six hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I could accomplish that. Here. Okay, I'm going to put that down. Six hundred thousand. I think you could get, and if I could say, you should probably have a trebuchet and a backup trebuchet, and
1: that, and that includes fines. They chant the they, fines.
0: Okay. You mean the zoning? For, I'm going
1: to zone for trebuchets. Paying, if I'm if I'm hucking giant Quaker Oats cans all over the city, I'm going to pay the
0: fines. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's not zoned for oats. Yeah, yeah.
1: There's, there are going to be complaints, uh-huh. but that's factored into the
0: price. How crooked is uh, King County and, and Seattle? Are you? Would there, would there be a way that you could start crossing some palms in advance? Would you do it before or after the trebuchets arrived? It isn't a sense of it being crooked. It is a sense of I am very wired in this. Mm. You show Aren't up at meetings and they say, "There's that guy.
1: I know all the power brokers." Mm-hmm. And so
0: they. Do you would maintain be, uh, those relationships? Is, is there a, a Roderick bloodline uh, that, that runs into the uh, corridors of power still?
1: Uh, actually, most of the most of uh, most of those guys, most of the people that know the old school, they're all gone. There are a couple of guys like uh, the uh, Mike Heavey is a uh, sort of a powerful um, politician, local Paul and he Green is the son uh,
0: Tessio. You got uh, you got Sally right. Clemenza.
1: There, oh. there are a lot of there are a lot of sons of guys who were you Lil, know
0: little Clemenza
1: partners of my dad's, but but I have made my own relationships with the local, the the new younger generation of, of uh, politicians here,
0: and this is like the bike mayor,
1: yeah, it's the bike mayor and it's the uh, it's the rock and roll uh, uh, county executive, <laughs> and, you know like. Rock and roll county. the rock and roll comedy executive and now the the guy <laughs> the, the democratic candidate for governor has uh, has expressed a, uh, a expressed an interest in in liaising with me
0: oh, so huh. uh,
1: so if I get a guy in the governor 's chair, then I feel like this Quaker Oats plan. <laughs> You know, they're going to be fine. So listen, they're going to be fine.
0: This happened. No, no, I don't I'm make not it about good Hitler, good. but just... there's been a lot of times where you could get some materials, or materiel, as you say. You could get some stuff that looks like it would be useful for something that wouldn't be a trebuchet. You oh, need sure. springs. You mm-hmm. need a large cup. You need some kind of, uh, I, I don't know the details. It's it, Logs. You know, okay. But see, no logs. You could be making, again, you could be making nature trails. A log sure. would be a perfect way to make a nature trail.
1: Sure. I need one truckload of logs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Check, some, okay, check
0: check check a lot of logs. Some, you got tons of uh, logs. They still got logs, right?
1: Absolutely. Okay. In fact, I think you could build a trebuchet entirely of logs. You wouldn't need any other parts.
0: I can kind I of just fuck this whole thing up for you, John. I think I don't know what you did for the rest of today. Yeah. It sounds to me like this is something you could make today for about $40.
1: Well, it'd be a I'd be like a preliminary one, a smaller a one. A prototype.
0: Yeah. Maybe you, know you could what? take out that bodega with some oats.
1: That was that was one of my early uh, internet punk rock names, it's Trebuchet. So- <laughs> and i actually met a girl who knew me as trey boucher you're kidding Fren- you actually
0: that wasn't like, you didn't just write that on a folder when you were 13 No, that was
1: my friendster profile trey Ugh. boucher
0: no one ever got it
1: but there was a girl who knew me as trey boucher on friendster who came to a long winter show and she had no sense that i was trey boucher she came to the show randomly and came up to me at the merch table, and I recognized her from Friendster Whoa. as someone that I had communicated with many times as Trey Boucher. And she was like, that was a great show. Oh, my God. Amazing. Wow. I'm so blah, blah, blah. Can I buy your merch? And I was like sitting there thinking, should I tell her I'm Trey Boucher?
0: You're Felicio Ontology 69.
1: and and, no her name was something like xanthan gum or i don't remember it was x cutter
0: x goth x x (laughs) X. eyeliner and and, uh
1: and uh i never i didn't cop to it i was just like i sold her my Mm. merch i took my picture with her i high-fived her and uh (laughs) off she went into the night and i was like i never i never outed myself as trebuchet
0: well, that's that would be unprofessional, right? I mean, the whole right. point of good, if, as I understand, and don't 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 say if you know, but it's my understanding that you want to keep your secret a secret long after it doesn't even need to be a secret. Right. Like we don't want to let you, we don't even tell you how this Enigma thing worked. We're not we're not going to we're not going to tell you any of that. Exactly. For, I mean, isn't that true? Didn't aren't there all kinds of things from World War II that, given because of the Cold War, uh, we just didn't let anybody to know how we we kept our secret secret for a long time. That's how you do, right?
1: Yeah, well and some of that stuff I think is still secret, not because the thing itself, but because the methodology.
0: And who who would have known who would have been involved at what times? Yeah, right. And and also Because you like, can some you of, triangulate you can triangulate all kinds of things once you have a little bit of information.
1: Some of those methodologies are still in play. The whole concept that there there are two concepts about espionage in World War II. One is that no Nazi spy survived the war in England. Undiscovered that the English actually how actually would they know pulled up the carpet on every single <sighs> Nazi spy in England. That is that's one of the World War Two and and like, they
0: know that because the Germans kept such good records.
1: Well, yeah, and that that the Germans had almost no espionage successful as they turned every agent. So the Germans were like they weren't getting any good espionage. They were getting all. Plants planted espionage, planted uh,
0: information. Double double agent, double operative. What do you call that? Double compromised. What's the term for that?
1: Yeah, double triple secret Mm probation. Okay,
0: got it.
1: And the other myth is that that the UK uh, and see, I don't know if that's a myth. Nobody knows if there were Nazi spies who who actually were providing good intelligence that were that went undiscovered. Nobody knows. The other, uh, I mean, somebody probably knows, but we don't as a as a people know the the other myth is that the British uh, were putting all these guys in trench coats with briefcases and poison tipped umbrellas parachuting them behind enemy lines in Germany and they were providing all this incredible actionable intelligence and the reason that we think that is that the the Germans captured some of these guys with with umbrellas and uh, and trench coats, and they thought well if we're capturing you know, if we captured 50 of these guys, it must mean 500 got through. But I don't think that that is actually true. The Germans might have captured every single spy. Uh, it just served the British to perpetuate this idea that their spies were getting through. A lot of the British intelligence just came from turncoat Nazis. But it served them to to perpetuate this idea that, you know, they had spies everywhere. So I think some of those, some of those they're still fueling some of those myths
0: because you never know when the secret might be useful again exactly if you've got if you've got like a uh, what do they call it not a drop pigeon drop what do you call what do you call the place where you just stick something in a hole and then make a a dead drop you got a dead drop and you know as far as you know it's not been discovered like why would you tell everybody oh here's where all our dead drops were have a nice day right because because you don't even want to tell people what you didn't know yeah don't tell them i do that every day (laughs) i have safe houses all over this country i'm never going to tell anybody but you said too much already (laughs) <laughs> so he's the rock and roll county executive <laughs> Dow constantine rock and roll county executive <laughs> does he does he does he play guitar like is he like, is he like a lee atwater type situation does he, he, he like he, rock he out liked, with the blues he loves
1: he loves rock music he goes to shows he's a hip guy he's a so hip, you're familiar guy. with this guy oh he's a he's a he's a bro hmm. and hmm. A, you know a powerful local politician
0: Good, makes- good man in a corner. It seems like somebody. If you run into some trouble with this whole trebuchet thing, that a county guy is going to be nice to have. You're going to want people working all different angles, right?
1: Well, that's the thing. I'm going to I'm going to call him and I'm going to say, "Listen, I misread the zoning." Uh, i thought that this i thought my my neighborhood was zoned for trebuchets
0: you're like an old woman telling a cop that you didn't see the sign listen listen i i I thought i understood it but it's
1: very complicated language
0: i just want to be real clear with this i was completely aware that i was making a trebuchet and shooting 55 gallon drums of oats i'm not gonna obviously i can't take it back look if i had turned it around and was shooting them to the south would that have been all right i have to tell you i just i didn't know (laughs)
1: listen listen Maybe we can forget forget all about this. Here's some tickets to the
0: show. (laughs) 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 Ah, I love the word trebuchet.